So I'm not sure how it is for girls in secondary school, uh, even though I did go to a mixed secondary school. Uh, there was a, it was a vast majority of guys, so it must have been maybe four-fifths guys. It was a, a, a tech, actually, so most of the girls went to the, the girls' schools in town. But lads, we have... Um, I don't see anything that wrong with it, really. It's kind of a, a healthy kind of a banter, kind of a slagging kind of a thing going on. And we do it all the time, and it's, it's fine. We, we, no, one, no one takes offense. I mean, I mean, your mama's so fat jokes only go so far. They, they, they can get offensive. They can, end, they can end badly. But, but generally speaking, you know, like if, if someone uh, it was, it was a, a Chelsea fan or back in my day, which back in the 90s, you know, Newcastle were, were really good. Um, <laughs> And then maybe you know Liverpool, then then Man United came up, and so whatever team you you you, uh, you followed, people would would follow them to the death almost. You know there were some even Spurs fans, and uh, like they they took a hammering. I mean, every Monday after the weekend matches, like all the lads would be saying, oh, "I can't believe you still follow Spurs." Like they were disastrous, beat by West Ham or something. You know, so uh, and and yet. I don't know, there was kind of, uh, it's something that we kind of learn to do, as in, you kind of, you know, you learn to kind of take the, you kind of take the hits, to, to kind of take the slagging, because it, it is, it, 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 it isn't meant seriously, it's not meant to offend or to cut or to hurt, it's just, a, you know, a little prodding, like, but it's, it's not meant to be, to be hurtful. So, in these kind of very insignificant things, when it comes to sports teams that we like, or... Uh, there was another thing at the end of the 90s as well. Uh, all, of the, all of the cool kids liked Nirvana, whereas all of the, the girls liked Oasis. So no guy was allowed to admit that he liked Oasis. You couldn't say, even if you did. And the worst, of course, was Bon Jovi, because deep down, we did actually like Bon Jovi, because they were kind of cool, but you could never say so. Oh, yeah, Nirvana, yeah, 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 Nirvana. <laughs> Every now and again, someone might say, you know, oh, yeah, listen, did you hear new, Bon Jovi's new song? It's fantastic. And everyone would go... What's wrong with you? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, for, for insignificant things, like bands and music and all those kind of things, we're willing to take a bit of a hit. Okay? What I find interesting is, when it comes to the faith, uh, that courage or that willingness to step out and be different often stops for some reason. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I mean, if I can take a hit for following Spurs, I can absolutely take a hit for following Jesus who's far more important than any football team, you know? So I, I think it, it's helpful in the church, also for, 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 for those in, in leadership, to ask themselves, what are you willing to bleed for? Like, what would you bleed for? Like, uh, in, as a family mom or dad, I imagine the instantaneous reaction, without even having to, to reflect at all, would be, I would die for my kids. You know, if they were going to fall into drugs, criminality, if they were going to you know, be diagnosed with leukemia, I'd rather take on that myself. I'd rather have that myself than have them go through that. I'd rather do it myself. So, so like, instantaneously, you know, when it comes to, 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 to bleeding for someone or suffering for someone, we'd have no problem doing it for people we love. Like, you wouldn't think about it. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather take that hit than have it, have it befall someone who I care about. So when it comes to the, to, to the faith, when it comes to following Jesus, like, am I willing to take a hit? Am I willing to take a knock? Am I willing to bleed? 
Because if you see what's kind of happened is what's kind of crept into the church is just to kind of keep everyone happy. We seem to think that we have to say what everyone wants us to say, then everyone is happy, and then everyone will stay. Okay, does that work? Did that work? Has that worked? That's what we've been trying for about 30, 40 years. Look around you. I mean, well, okay, here's different. Um, but in, in general, I count out in parishes, out in your, your average. I mean, look at mass attendance overall. I mean, people may say, you know, the, the church is, our church still looks relatively full-ish. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, there were probably seven weekend masses, where now there are five. So the churches look still kind of okay, but you're two masses down of what you were. So mass attendance is, has decreased. It might look like it. But if you have fewer masses with the same number of people attending, mass attendance has gone down. And it just, what, what just struck me today, like when, when I think of St. Blaise, bishop and martyr, and again, we have this kind of childish, uh, maybe childlike understanding uh, of, of St. Saint, of Saint, uh, Blaise. You know, he's, he's in his little carriage, going to his, you know, he's been transported from point A to point B. And as a child, you're not really told that he's being transported for his torture and execution. That's what he was being transported for. And a, a lady came up and uh, her little son had a fishbone caught the wrong way in his throat and St. Blaise gives a nice little blessing and then the fishbone is released and the child is, 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 is safe and saved and uh, that's how we associate him now with the blessing of the throats. And that's our child's understanding of St. Blaise. Lovely, beautiful, draw the little picture of St. Blaise and a fishbone popping out of some child's mouth and there we go. Um, and and that, 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 that's our understanding. Okay, as adults, hold on just a second. What was this man doing? He was a bishop of the church in the 4th century. He died in 316. And uh, in modern-day Turkey, in Cappadocia. And he was being transported to his torture and execution. He was tortured by being beaten with sticks. So I mean, just imagine, I mean, it's, it's, that's fairly gruesome. Imagine, you know, getting a blow to the head, a couple of blows, you know, like you can't defend yourself, you're just getting hit from all sides. Then his skin is raked off his body with iron cones. So, like, just imagine a kind of a finer tooth rake, okay? And just rake the skin off your body. And then as an act of mercy, you're beheaded at the end. Because a good raking mightn't kill you immediately. You'd die eventually from blood loss, probably infection, um, but you wouldn't die immediately. Decapitation would be welcome after, after uh, having your skin raked off. So this is what this man was willing to do for the name of Jesus Christ. This is what this man was willing to do for the gospel. Occasionally I might have to take a bit of, I don't know, slagging, or disagreement. Someone mightn't actually agree with me. It happens. you know. And you might actually have to accept the fact that Certain teachings might make you less popular. Welcome to the real world. Welcome to following Spurs. You know, you, people will do it for soccer. So like, we need to just kind of man up in the church when it comes to the faith. Yes, certain people are going to disagree with us. They better just get used to it. We're not changing our teaching. We can't. We can't. It's not my decision. I can't change what Jesus has taught. So I won't even try because there's no point. Why on earth would I think myself smarter than the creator of the universe? He designed DNA, for God's sake. I don't even know how it works. It just looks cool. You see the spiral little diagrams, all these little proteins. I, he designed that stuff. And I think I'm... Jesus, now what you need to do is just sit down a second, get a notepad and a pen. Okay? What you need to do is... Right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who do I think I am? You might as well have a goldfish out in the, in, in, in the aquarium out there telling me what I should do with my tax returns. 
What do you know, little gold fishy? You don't know anything about the world out here. What do we know about the world from God's perspective? He does actually know what he's doing. He does. So in the church, like, we should have this just kind of, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's the, the, I think the correct term for it is holy boldness. And we generally associate boldness, at least in Ireland, with misbehavior. You know, don't be bold. But, but in, in theologically speaking, boldness is actually more associated with courage than misbehavior. Holy boldness, where if this is what the Lord teaches, and this is what he has taught the church, the church to teach, then this is what I believe. There you go. Now, I do have to teach it with compassion, love, and understanding. Absolutely. And just because you're right doesn't mean you can beat someone over the head with your righteousness and say, you need to go to mass, you need to go to, would you get into the church, would you go on? Like, that's, that's, that's not going to work either. So we still have to be compassionate and loving, but absolutely courageous. Because this what, what struck me this morning, just thinking of St. Blaise, was just this, I'm not sure if I invented this or if it came from somewhere else, but if, if we don't stand for anything, nobody will stand with us. Because what would they stand for? If I, if, I, if, I, if I don't stand for anything, well then nobody's going to join me. You know what I mean? Because what do you stand for? I mean, people even joined ISIS, not because they were, their, their cause was righteous, their cause was crazy, but they, it was clear what they stood for. So even Europeans went back to uh, Afghanistan and, and that to join ISIS. Because their, 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 their intention was clear. They knew what they stood for. Same with any political party or anything. If, 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 if you've no particular stance on anything, well, why would people join you? What do you stand for? So if the church, like, if we don't stand for anything, if, we, if we're not clearly pro-life, if we're not clearly pro-family, if we're not you know, clear about the, 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 the moral expectations of our faith, if we're not clear about those things and confident about them, then nobody will stand with us. Because we don't know what we stand for. If we stand for nothing, what are you doing? What, like that's, you think, you think of Jesus again, how Jesus lived and taught. Jesus was, he, he never, he never spoke just to antagonize people. Now he did speak very directly at times. And at times he called people out on being absolute hypocrites, whitewashed tombs. You know, I mean, he called up scribes and Pharisees on numerous occasions for being superficial, for their hypocrisy. When that was required, he was able to do that too. But keep in mind that how often he met people who were living in uh, sinful relationships or were living far from God or weren't, weren't Jews at all, had no relationship with God at all. You think of your, 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 effectively your traitors, your, your, your tax collectors, your, your Zacchaeuses and your, your Matthews, you know, defrauding people and making money from it for themselves. You think of the, the woman at the well. Uh, yes, the man she's living with now is not your husband. That wasn't how he opened the conversation, though. He asked her for a drink of water. You know, he didn't say to her, hey, you, sinner. It's not how we started. He said, can I have a drink? And then he spoke to her. And then when she was ready, when he had already shown that he cares, that he listens, he said, yes, you're right. The man you live with now is not your husband. And she ran away, not feeling... She ran back to the town, not feeling judged, but feeling like he knows me and he loves me. And she becomes an incredible missionary. But she was told the truth. With compassion and with love. So if, if we stand for nothing, nobody will stand with us. And, and to be honest, why would they? 
So we have to be careful in, in the church there because it's, it's very easy stand for, for environmental issues because everyone's doing that. Everyone. I, I heard a statistic yesterday which is quite, quite shocking. Um, there was a, a speaker addressing university students in, in England and uh, he, said, he said something drives me crazy about this, this whole woke, wokeism that's out there now, this whole woke generation. He said, in wokeism, feelings matter more than facts. Feelings matter more than facts. You know, so if, if something makes me feel bad, then it's bad. That doesn't really work in real life, though. Adultery can feel fantastic, you know. But if it feels good, it must be good, right? If it feels bad, then it's probably bad. Not really. In real life, no. Sometimes hard work doesn't feel great. But you do it because it needs to be done. Getting up at night for the 15th time to change a nappy at 3 o'clock in the morning doesn't feel amazing. But you do it because it needs to be done. Feelings, feelings they give us an indication as to our response to a situation, but they don't, do not determine whether it's morally acceptable or not. So this, this, this speaker, is, as they're addressing university students, so the problem with wokeism, one of the problems with wokeism is that feelings matter more than facts. And he said, in the world, at the moment, well, for, for this woke generation, one issue which they care about more than any is, is climate change. And he said, he just quotes some facts here. He said, if England were to sink into the ocean right now, if it were just a plunk down, it would have absolutely zero effect on climate change in the world because they only produce 2% of, of the carbon emissions in the world at the moment. So if England were to sink, disappear off the planet, it wouldn't affect climate change at all. So he said this issue that, that people are you know, worrying and fretting and, and losing sleep over, I mean, don't get me wrong, we should take care of the environment. We should, of course we do. We should. It, it, I mean, it's, it's given to us by God. So we should take care of it. But for this to be a central issue, a core issue, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean... We have so many young people who do not know the Lord, who are depressed, self-harming, maybe even suicidal. That's an issue worth looking at. We need priests in the church now. That's an issue worth looking at. We have families falling apart. That's an issue worth looking at. We need men's ministry, women's ministry, family ministry, youth ministry, teen ministry, young adult ministry. That's all lay ministry, by the way. There's so much lay ministry that needs to be done. These are issues that need to be taken care of. And by the way, if you take care of those, if we know the Lord, then a byproduct, a, a secondary effect of that, is that we will take care of the environment. If I know and love the Lord, then, then I'm not going to just you know, blatantly just, I don't know, consume as much as I can from the world and become entirely selfish. I will not, I won't. So you get the heart right and everything else falls into place. But you try and fix like environmental, like I mean, <laughs> people want to take care of the environment, but they'll still buy 100,000 things on Amazon that are delivered to their house one by one, you know, in paper packaging, which is then burned or destroyed. Like, I mean, so we see <laughs> buying their frappuccinos and their paper containers or plastic containers, even worse. You know, but we want to save the, we want to save the universe. So if in the church we adopt this as one of our primary messages, we've missed the point and nobody will stand with us because that's what everyone else is standing for. We have to stand for what the church stands for, which is issues of faith and morals. And if we can do that and show that our faith sets us free, that our faith gives us life, then people will join us. If our faith doesn't give us life, then how are we any different to a bingo club or a mockra? Mockra is probably even more fun, you know? So, Makra for those who aren't culchies, it's in, a, it's, in a, 
it's an association for, I don't know, kind of a social, associa social association for uh, farmers. Um, so, as we look at St. Blaise today, bishop and martyr, we are reminded, as we are with the stories of all the martyrs, that unless we stand for something, nobody will stand with us. Unless we stand with Christ and for Christ, nobody will stand with us. If we phrase that positively, if we stand for something, contrary to what the world asks, and we do so courageously and joyfully, people will actually join us. People will actually join us because people are actually inspired by the truth. Initially, they may not like the truth, as all of us when we're children, you're told you're wrong when you're wrong. We know none of us like it. But then you eventually grow to accept the truth. And then hopefully, if we mature enough, we grow to actually long for it, to search for it. Because I want to know the truth. I want to live in the truth. And that truth may be, as regards my own life, that someone in my past hurt me. But I actually want to get to know that truth so I can heal, so I can move on. The truth actually sets us free. And we need to get to a stage where I love truth so much that even if, if, if it affects me personally, I look for it because I want to be at rights with God. I want to be at rights with my family. If you're a husband or a wife, I want to be at rights with my husband or wife. I want to live in the truth. And if we can stand and live in the truth as a church, people who are longing for the truth will come to us. So we ask the Lord today to bless and inspire, especially the leaders of the church. Bless all bishops and priests, Lord, in a particular way. Bless all those lay people that you're calling to lay ministry in whatever way, shape, or form. Bless them, Lord, and grant us courage, yes, to be, to be bold, and maybe even to bleed, if necessary, if required. May we be inspired by the courage of St. Blaise, Bishop, and Martyr. Amen.